The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bucket Plan On Demand. This is Dave Allison, and I'm joined by my good buddy and colleague, Kayla Mackey. Kayla, welcome. Thanks, Dave. Pleasure to be here today. Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about a topic that I know I have been focusing on recently with my client. Kayla, I just shared about 10 minutes before this, we just did another application with an existing client. And we were looking at their portfolio allocation. In this case, it was one of their IRAs and looking at ways to potentially optimize the portfolio that they were in right now. And, you know, we know where the market is. It's, it's certainly challenging, right? The market's kind of at this all-time high still. Equity valuations are soaring. You know, there's opinions that everyone has. It's going to go down from here. It's going to go up from here. Of course, we don't have a crystal ball when it relates to the equity side. But I do think there's a, a big area for improvement on the fixed income side. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, isn't it, Caleb? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I feel like we could probably spend a you know, couple hours uh, on this topic, you and I, but we'll, we'll try to keep it short and sweet, right? We will. We will. Well, you know, it's interesting, Caleb. We've been talking at C2P and Clarity Insurance Marketing for a long time, as have so many other financial planners about utilizing a fixed indexed annuity within the financial plan. And it's really been around helping derive efficient income, right? Whether it was lifetime income with some of the income benefit riders that we've seen, or whether, if it, whether it was just more of a drawdown of income through penalty-free withdrawals to essentially eliminate sequence of returns risk, right? To be able yep. to protect the income that our retirees need, not a matter of if the market goes down, but more a matter of when the market goes down. And our friend and colleague, Jason, always would say it helps protect against freakout risk also, particularly for our retiree clients who have built up this nest egg that they need to live on for the next 20 or 30, 40 years you know, having that kind of preservation bucket or that soon bucket that we call it and putting a product in there that has downside protection could really help the clients stay in their seat when we do experience another uh, March or April of 2020 when COVID hit or, you know, hopefully something that's not on the horizon anytime soon, but another 2008, 2009. So no, absolutely, Dave. You're 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 right on. I mean, and and this 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 white paper that that just was released from Alliance Bernstein. I mean, it it really goes into you know that that concept of the sequence of return risk. Well, I mean, we've been training and talking about it for years, and I think it's so critical for for pre-retirees and retirees. You know, especially as they're looking at where their income sources are going to come from in retirement. Um, that freakout risk. I love that term because. You know, I'm sure some people got some calls last year during the heart of the pandemic with clients freaking out a little bit. And it had been a while, right? Like we had we had not seen that for some time. 
and that was, you know, that was kind of a mini pullback. It, you know, it recovered very quickly. You know, it, I, I like to use the, the Mike Tyson uh, quote that everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And so I feel like a lot of retirement plans they haven't been punched in the mouth for a while, right? Like they haven't had that that 08 scary feeling of, oh my gosh, is this is this ever going to end? And, you know, that's that freak out risk that we see. And that's when people tend to make poor decisions, you know, they move to all cash or they, you know, they, they sell at a really horrible time. And that, that's exactly what we're trying to avoid. Absolutely. You know, Caleb, you know, when this article came out, and I'm going to show a screenshot of it real quick. For those of you who haven't seen this white paper by Alliance Bernstein, it's up on my screen right now. And Caleb, they could reach out to you or your team at Clarity Insurance Marketing to get a full copy of this, right? Absolutely. Uh, if, Yep. What's the best email address to shoot an email to if anyone? Uh, that would that would be my email. It's K Mackey. It's K-M-A-C-K-E-Y at C2Penterprises.com. Yep. And I remember getting this white paper. And honestly, I've been using fixed indexed annuities as a bond alternative. Every single client that I have that's over the age of 59 and a half has an indexed annuity as a portion of their plan, right? And, and trust me, I'm more of an investment person if I had to put myself in one kind of bucket or another, but I think they're very, very valid in a plan. But I've, I've seen, and many of you have as well, nobody really quantified it, right? Like I knew it conceptually, but I'm kind of a math person. I wanted to see the data. And when I saw this white paper come out, I sent Caleb a message. I was like, this is the best white paper I've seen on portfolio efficiency by putting a fixed indexed annuity as a portion of the bond portfolio. And I remember right on the cover, I highlighted it this statement just jumped out at me and it's so true with a challenging market expected ahead i don't think anyone can argue with that challenging markets are certainly expected on the equity and fixed income side the classic 60 40 stock bond strategy will likely struggle to build wealth and fund retirement spending for investors allocating some traditional core bond exposure to a fixed indexed annuity could change the game. And I was like, all right, well, that's certainly got my attention. And then there's an executive summary, kind of the big picture. And as you go through it, I think it's really interesting, right? Most people have some sort of recency bias when it comes to portfolio management. And I love how Alliance Bernstein addressed and educated this. The typical portfolio that's 60% S&P, 40% Bloomberg Barclays U.S. aggregate has delivered a total return of 10.5% for my entire lifetime. Going yeah. back to 1981, in this case, January of 1981, 10.5% total return annualized with a 9.8% standard deviation. And these are some of the key highlights that stood out to me, right? We've all been hearing about this retirement crisis and that, you know, we went through one of the most historic bond bull markets that we've ever seen in the world. But where are interest rates right now? I don't know, Caleb, I haven't checked the 10-year treasury because it kind of depresses me. Where, where is it at? <laughs> do you have any idea? I, I do. Yeah, we're, we're hovering right around 1.3 as of uh, at least a couple hours ago. So. Right. A whopping 1.3 for a 10-year commitment in kind of yeah. the deemed risk-free asset. 
And so what this study then does is it goes through and it looks at an indexed annuity as a portion of the bond alternative, not all of it. It's not saying go all in with this concept, but it's saying take this 60% of equities and allocate it to equities. And then take the 40% of bonds and allocate 20% to an indexed annuity. And in this case, they're showing a 4.5% cap, which is reasonable. In yeah. S&P 500, 4.5, the policies that I wrote with Lincoln Financial this morning, I think had, they had a 5% cap on the S&P 500, right? So a 4.5 is not over-promising or a stretch by yeah. any means. And then take the other 20% and allocate it to a good high quality fixed income portfolio. And what you could see is that the indexed annuity enhanced portfolio out delivered a better, or delivered a better outcome 72% of the time. Whereas the traditional 60-40 only delivered a better outcome 28% of the time. And that's in 5,000 different simulations on returns of future returns, right? And then you look at the, the margin, right? The margin for outperformance, 3.9% on the 72% of the time with FIAs versus 2.1% on the 28% of the time. So you'd have to ask yourself, if, if you're playing the stakes, right? You're going to Vegas and you're a betting man, which one would you want to bet on? The one seven that, that's outperforming 72% of the time with a winning margin of 3.9% or the one that's outperforming 28% of the time with a winning margin of 2.1%. Yeah, Dave, and I, I'd say what's so critical about this study that's been different from some of the other ones we've seen in the past is that it's future looking, right? Like before we've seen where it looked at historical returns and what if you know you'd add an index annuity in the last 10 years or the last 20 years, or the last 25 years, like this is more about kind of forecasting the future. And I think that's the critical thing is like you, you, you said, like your entire life, you've been in a bond bowl. Like, you know, I have as well, right? Like, but we look at where interest rates were in 1981 and where they are today, like they can't fall 7%. <laughs> I mean, it just, you know, unless you think we're going to a negative 6% environment, like it, it's probably not going to happen. And so we've really got into a situation where you can't use the past, especially in the fixed income market as a guide for the future. We're in radically different waters and it's just, it's so critical. And I think if you pulled up that study, I think the next page, it even went through as interest rates, you know, fall that, that, that 72% winning percentage it, it grows. It actually gets as high as I think as 92%. If interest rates are, yeah, there you go. If bond yields are around one and a quarter, it's going to win 92% of the time. So if we stay in an ultra low interest rate environment, you know, which is, is very possible, you know, the fixed index annuity allocation with, you know, a 20% allocation to, to an FIA, you know, as part of that 40% fixed income piece, I mean, it, it's just going to even be, you know, a bigger winner more often in a low interest rate environment. Well, and Calum, I, I was going to say, I love this piece too, because as I share with my clients all the time, the math doesn't lie and we rely on math to make recommendations for our clients, right? Mm -hmm. And so here shows the math. If we fall to a 1.25% bond yield, the FIA is going to win 92.4% of the time. And not just that, the average losing margin is very little, 1.59%, but 
But look at the average winning margin, almost 574 basis points. To me, that's risk and reward all day long, right? Absolutely. Even if we stayed at a two and a, or went to a two and a quarter bond yield, the FIA is still winning 80% of the time with the downside of negative 1.89 losing on, on average, but an average winning margin of 4.41. And so again, that would be a risk and return I would feel comfortable with taking for a portion of the overall bond allocation. And I think that's the conversation that I've been having with some of my clients is, you know, what do you think the likelihood is that interest rates are going to stay the same or rise over the next five to 10 years? And would you like to eliminate the risk that either we earn nothing or we earn negative real rates in our bond portfolio? Because I don't know about you, Caleb, when you meet with an, a client, but I don't work for free. So yeah. I charge an advisory fee onto my portfolio. And if I'm in shorter duration bonds to try to eliminate interest rate risk, or I'm in higher credit quality bonds to try to eliminate any type of default risk if we go into a kooky environment from an economic standpoint, at the end of the day, what that means is I'm probably generating very little return on that portfolio, particularly minus my fee of yeah. my advisory fee, right? And if I know that I can take 20, 30, 40%, 50% of that bond allocation and maybe shift that liability over to the insurance company, now I can eliminate any fees or expenses on that part of the portfolio. I can have complete downside protection, a cement floor under their account balance where I know even after fee drag, they're not gonna go negative and potentially give them the upside of four or 5% by linking it to a cap of an index like the S&P 500 or some of the other ones out there. I mean, in today's interest rate environment, it's just hard to argue that as a fixed income alternative. Absolutely. And you made a, you, you make a great point about the fee drag. Like it's something I don't think a lot of advisors think about, but you know, when you're allocating to that, that, Bomb. And that's assuming you're getting, you know, like, you know, you're so you're short duration, higher quality. I mean, your other alternative is you got to go higher risk, right? Like, so, so you got to do one or the other. You got to either increase yield by going longer duration or lower quality. Or if you're sticking with high quality, a high quality bond portfolio, you know, you tack on your, your 1% advisory fee. And I mean, this study is using a 2.6 annualized rate of return over the next 10 years. I mean, what, what are you looking at? You know, what 1% <laughs> real world return? I mean, it's, it's not very attractive at all. And there's definitely better alternatives. It's not. And you know what, Caleb, I was uh, out fishing with a buddy of mine at Lincoln the other day, Mike, who works with a lot of our advisors. And, you know, we're talking about this concept. And he said, you know, Dave, where do you use bonds? And, and you and I were even talking about this right before. He said, why do you use bonds in the portfolio? I said, quite simply to protect against a crash, right? My equities are the, and I, I use this analogy with clients all the time, the equities in the portfolio are like dropping a big engine in the race car, right? We want mm -hmm. that big engine in the race car to make it go as fast as possible. We want equities in a portfolio to make it grow as much as possible. But why do those race car drivers have big harnessed seat belts in their car also, right? 
Does that make it go faster? Nope. No, right? What does it do? It's the safety. It's, 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 it's in case things go bad. <laughs> yeah, it's to protect them in a crash. That's why we would normally put bonds in the portfolio. We're not trying to get rich or make a bunch of money on our bonds. We're trying to protect in a crash, particularly for our clients that need income from the portfolio. And so as I was thinking about it, it's like, okay, let's take a look at the outlook of bonds. We're either going to stay in a very low interest rate for a long time because of monetary policy and debt, or we could potentially see a rising interest rate in which Finance 101, when interest rates rise, what happens to the principal value of bonds? They go down, right? Or I guess there's a very, very, very minor chance we could go lower on interest rates, but I don't think a lot of us are believing that that's the case. So let's assume that interest rates are going to stay same, which is a low rate, or they're potentially going to increase. And I put bonds in a portfolio to protect the car against a car crash. Well, why wouldn't I swap out some of those bonds for a seatbelt that basically has no downside risk to it, right? Puts a cement floor under that account balance, even if we do see interest rates substantially rise. What's going to happen to the principal value of the annuity that we're using, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, one of the things I, I think about the next crash, and I'm always thinking about the next kind of kind of big economic crash, and you know what's coming next. I think you know historically, if look at look at what's happened, especially in the last 20, 25 years, you know every time there's been a major market correction, what has the Fed done? They've they've lowered rates, right, and and dropped yields, boosted prices. So so bonds naturally kind of balanced out some of those losses on the stock side. But now you're getting into an environment where that just may not be physically possible anymore. I mean, we're, we're scraping the bottom of the barrel of the interest rate world. So, I mean, it, you know, there's just not a lot of room to drop anymore. So bonds aren't going to be that balancing piece like they used to be with your equity. So if we do see a big correction, my fear is that we're going to see a, a stock market correction. And we may see bond yields rise in, into that environment, in which case now your, your, your stock prices and your bond prices are both getting hit at the exact same time. And there's no safe place to hide, right? Like at that point, the only, the only safe place is probably cash or an alternative or something. So you could you could get squeezed both ways. And I think that's the risk moving forward is it's not just an equity correction. It's that the bonds can't counter it anymore. There, there's just not room to do it or there's not enough room to, to really offset any you know kind of major correction. So that 60-40 portfolio, maybe an 08 that you know took didn't take nearly the same hit as the S&P 500, you know, it, it wouldn't do the same in this interest rate environment. It just couldn't, it couldn't balance it like it did before. So we got to be aware of that as advisors moving forward as, as, as kind of putting portfolios together and, and constructing things in that asset allocation model that, that bonds may not be the safe haven they have been for the last 25, 30 years. Absolutely. And you know, it's funny, Caleb. So, you know, as we're having this conversation, Mike goes, well, so why wouldn't you do it? And I said, well, you know, from a portfolio management standpoint, a big reason I like holding bonds in the portfolio is for my ability to rebalance, right? Mm -hmm. the, the, the investing 101, you want to buy low and sell high. And I said, so for example, like in March or April of 2020, when COVID hit, for my clients that had a bit more of an appetite for risk, 
we were going and rebalancing that 60-40 portfolio to 100% equity, right? Taking the 40% in bonds and quickly deploying it into the market. But, you know, Mike had a good point. He said, but, but how many of your retiree clients, now I have a diverse group yeah. of clients, like, of course, for my 40 and 50-year-old higher net worth clients, they love that idea, right? It's that kind of opportunity fund, or as one of our advisors, Walter Young, calls it, kind of the, the sunny day fund and rainy day fund, right? But the reality of it is most of our pre-retiree and retiree clients, they're not going to be trying to get fully into the market when prices are down, taking all of their fixed income, the money that's earmarked to help provide them reliable income. And so that's, you know, although you could say, yeah, but they lack liquidity, I think that's another great point of where we're going and saying, don't be all into this strategy. Yeah. If you're running a 50-50 balanced portfolio, 50% equities, 25% indexed annuity, 25% bonds on a million dollar portfolio, that gives you a quarter million dollars of completely liquid bond money. And then a quarter million dollars in an annuity where most of the time we can take out 10% penalty-free withdrawals if we needed to, if it's still in a surrender period. And then the other thing that I really like about it is how many, many, many of our clients built their wealth the first time, right? It's not because they inherited it. It's not because they got in early at Google, right? It's no. because they saved religiously every two weeks and they did what into their 401k? They dollar cost averaged, right? And so even by taking this concept of segmenting some of the money out into the annuity today, we're essentially locking in the value, protecting market valuations today. And then if the market does start to become really volatile over the next one, three, five, seven, ten 10 years, guess what we have the ability to do? take withdrawals out of that annuity and dollar cost average back into the market. And so there's a lot of sophisticated planning you can do by going from what's traditionally a two asset class portfolio, you know, right? You have your equity and you have your fixed income and now expanding it to just one additional option with that insurance vehicle, helping to hedge the downside market protection while deploying options in the index and as Jason always said, and I learned it from him, keep it simple. When the market goes down, you simply earn a zero. When the market goes up, you simply earn a favorable interest rate, right? When you're explaining this concept to the client. Yeah, no, I mean, liquidity is definitely, you know, what I've heard from advisors, you know, we've talked to advisors that don't use fixed index annuities. And we've, you know, we've talked to some of the reasons why. And I, I think that liquidity one gets brought up a lot. I, I, you know, I, I know my, my personal view is liquidity is highly overrated in, in the investment world. I feel like, you know, we, we talk about it like clients are going to need access to all of their money at any one moment in time. And it's, it's just not the reality. I mean, I think liquidity can be solved through proper planning. And, and like you said, through pop, proper portfolio building, just, and again, we, we're not ever advocating a zero bond concept. That's not what we're about. And even the the, the white paper, it was, you know, it was, it was taking that that 40% that was in fixed come and splitting it in half to come up with all the numbers and returns and, and forecasting. So I think that's the key is just using the index annuity as, as another asset class, you know, instead of just being 60-40 or 50-50, I 
as you said, it's maybe 50, 25, 25, you know, maybe for your pre-retirees and retirees, it's a little bit different mixture, just kind of depends on, you know, what, what their situation is and how much income, you know, you're generating out of that portfolio. But it certainly makes sense to have that, that piece in there, both for higher returns and also just lower risk. I mean, it's, you know, one of the, one of the, the key things I read in the, the article was, it said building a bigger, uh, bet, sorry, better path really comes down to building an asset allocation strategy that improves a portfolio's up and down capture. So you want to capture more of the up when, when the market's good and less of the down when it's, it's, it's not. And that's exactly what the index annuity helps you do. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing with our industry, and we've been hearing about it for years, but this whole concept of fee compression, right? And, you know, it's one thing to be able to charge a one or one and a half percent management fee on a more equity driven portfolio that's going to produce the earnings upside to justify that advisory fee. But I don't know about you, I, I continue to find myself having a harder and harder time charging my advisory fee when the majority of the portfolio is fixed income. And if in our portfolios, we're using higher credit quality, shorter duration right now, it's, it's, it's a challenging environment. It's a compressed environment. Like I could probably charge 1% on fixed income when it was averaging six or seven, sure. but it's hard to do when it's averaging one or 2%. And the other side of it is, as you start to work with more affluent clients, you know, we discount our, our management fee on our portfolios to 85 basis points when the account is over 2 million, which is the core of our business. And one of the things I was talking about with Mike, you know, and, and Lincoln is an example. And I know, Caleb, I'm sure there's other companies, you know, I use other companies also, but this one stands out because I was fishing last week having this conversation. But he said, well, what are you charging on your fixed income? And I kind of shared what I was charging. And he said, well, if you use, you know, in this case, Lincoln's indexed annuity as a fixed income alternative, we have a flat 1% trail on it today. And I was just like, so it's better for the client. They have an upside of five and a no downside with the floor of zero. And you're protecting basically my advisory fee of 1% through the insurance commission trail revenue by electing that option. Again, in today's environment, I think anybody who's an investment advisor or a financial planner owes it to not only your client, but yourself and your business to look at these solutions. Um, because it's certainly not about compensation, but if you can't structure your firm to be profitable, you won't be in business to help these clients out and navigate this you know, really tricky investment and market environment for the next 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And, I, you know, again, you bring up a very good point that I think a lot of advisors are under the misconception that the only option is that that heaped or upfront commission that they don't realize that a lot of insurance companies now have options B and C, and you can take a trail option. I know we have several advisors C2P that's that they won't take anything else, right? Like they got to the point in their business that all they want is that renewal and or reoccurring revenue. And that makes total sense. And again, at the end of the day, it kind of works out the same to the client. I mean, if you're, or are you as the advisor, like the client, as you said, is, is, is getting a benefit because they're not seeing that fee drag on their fixed income side. But for you as an advisor, you're, you know, if you're getting paid 1% by the insurance company on an annualized basis or 1% by your, you know, your, what you're charging on your advisor fee for, for your AUM, it, it's, the, it's the same to you, right? And you know, it does help avoid some of the conflict of interest. I mean, it's still a commission, but it does help avoid 
some of that conflict of interest when we talk about you know best interest and just just doing what's what's best for your client as a fiduciary you know i do think you can make a much stronger argument that you're operating in a fiduciary capacity if you're taking that trail commission as opposed to that that upfront or, or heap commission absolutely and calum to kind of parlay right into the last subject in that white paper by alliance bernstein is you know, taking that annuity as a portion of, let's say, the 60-40 or 50-50 or any portfolio for that matter, right, that has a fixed income component, and then adding a guaranteed income benefit to it. So it seems like the majority of these riders are somewhere around a 1% cost to the client. Would you agree with that? Kind of give or take, depending on the bells and whistles you add to it. But what I like about that is, If I have a client's portfolio, let's say it's a 60-40 all market-driven portfolio, and I'm charging 1% on that, and I can take 20% of that fixed income and move it into an indexed annuity that traditionally has no fee, but for for the 1%, I can now attach an income benefit to it. The client's cost remains neutral because they're not paying me the advisory fee on that fixed income. They now are paying the insurance company that rider fee, but they have the peace of mind that at any time they can flip on that fixed income component for lifetime guaranteed income. And what's amazing is if you look at the portfolio in the white paper, and how it performs when you enhance it with an income rider, it again continues to just really make a strong, strong, strong argument that you know insurance and investments can come together and live in harmony for the benefit of the client. There's not a one-size-fits-all perfect solution. And if any of you are using 2080, a 4060, a 5050, a 6040, I'd highly encourage running the numbers and seeing what it looks like. Because how easy of a conversation is that for the client? Your cost is going to stay the same. We put a floor of zero. So if we do happen to get into a rising interest rate environment, we've now offloaded that risk to the insurance company. We have an upside potential of four or 5% a year. And oh, by the way, we have this income value that can provide you and your spouse income for as long as you're alive once we elect to turn it on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it was incredible, the numbers, because I, I think it shot up to about 98% of the time it outperformed. Now, that was using a 10-year deferral period followed by a 30-year you know, distribution period. But you know, I think the critical thing is again, it, it just goes back to it. We're not talking a one size fits all, right? Like it's it, a portion of the assets, a portion of it is, is being used for, for that income and you complement it or supplement it with the, the you know, rest of the money in the bond portfolio as, as you know, additional liquidity. Since we started building bucket plans after we met you and Jason a few years ago, like I've never built a Zoom bucket that doesn't have a combination of, of you know, an annuity and, and, you know, some form of AUM or managed money or, you know, a conservative portfolio in there because I, I want both, right? I want some of that enhanced liquidity, the, that, 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 that kind of fixed income driven bond portfolio is going to drive, but also I want the, the guaranteed income 
that the you know the index annuity is going to provide, and it's it's really a good combination, um, especially for clients as we know, Dave. I mean, how many how many times have you built plans, and, and that income's not like you know it's got lumpiness to it. I think is is the term you use, where it's it's you know you might need a little bit more until they turn on Social Security or until they get to Medicare age or until the second spouse retires or you know there's there's all kinds of different things that that when you look at retirement planning, there's just just some, some additional liquidity you might need, but it only may, it might need it for a couple of years. But that fixed index annuity can become like your income backbone. It can kind of be that, that pension alternative piece, especially for clients that don't have a traditional pension through their, their employer. Absolutely. And Calum, this is that chart you were referencing 98.6% of the time. And what was astonishing here, and again, I always look at what's the risk and reward. The average losing margin was 1.3%. But look at the average winning margin, almost 9.86%, right? Like that to me is a pretty substantial difference of just allocating 20% of the client's retirement portfolio towards an indexed annuity with an income benefit rider attached to it. We're not talking about 40, 50, 60%. We're talking about a million dollar retirement account, which would have normally gone into a 60, 40 because maybe the client was moderate. And now we're going 60% equity, 20% bond, 20% indexed annuity, and substantially delivering the expectations, right? Nothing is guaranteed in this True. world but the expectations for a better outcome based on this market research. And that's, that's in today's you know, low, lower withdrawal rate environment, right? Like that's the other thing I hear from advisors. They're like, oh, I don't want to sell an annuity. The withdrawal rates are low. And it's like, but, but you know, the bond yields are too, right? Like it's, you know, that's, that's given today's lower withdrawal rate environment. It may, may or may or not improve in the future. I mean, it's kind of driven by the, the, the interest rates and bond yields. Uh, so if we see bond yields stay low, we're going to see the withdrawal rates on annuities stay low. But it's more about the, the lack of sequence of return risk. That's the key is, is that, that income is coming in guaranteed every year. And that's not even taking into account like a, a company like Allianz, who, who's got to focus on increasing income. You know, I'd love to see what, what that does if you had income increasing every year for 30 years, uh, you know, how, how much of a difference that would make. But, you know, the, the key is, again, just the, I think you got to look at the diversification. You got to look at, at this as a, you know, one piece of the bigger puzzle, but really looking forward into the future and what the next 10, 15, 20 years is going to bring and not looking so much in the past of, of what, you know, what has worked really, you know, for, for the last 20 years, because it's just two different environments. Yep. So, Caleb, I know there's a lot of annuity products out there. And I also know, you know, for me as an advisor, there's probably today about, you know, four or five of them I, I really think are competitive and I use in my business. But it also depends on the state. You and I were talking about that earlier. Like, I think Lincoln's got a great product. Just wrote two of them this week. Wouldn't write them for my California clients because the rates aren't good over there, right? Versus my Florida and Ohio clients, they just got, you know, we utilize Lincoln. Allianz got great products, F&G, American Equity, right? There's all these companies out there. Talk about what your team does with advisors like myself and anyone else listening to help kind of cut through the white noise and figure out what's really best for their client. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, Dave. I mean, we, our, our team, our business development team here at, at C2P, our, our focus is helping advisors 
with, with helping their, their clients ultimately get the best option for them through working through case design, you know, talking through where, you know, what state are you in? What, what are the, you know, what is the client looking to accomplish? Are we, you know, building for more accumulation followed by income or do they need income now or immediately or soon, you know, looking at, at drawdown income versus guaranteed lifetime income. So we really work, you know, collaboratively with the advisor on that case design and making sure we're bringing of the literally hundreds of products we have at our fingertips, you know, what are going to be the absolute best? Of course, every product that we talk about has gone through our best interest screening process. So we want to make sure that, that we've already kind of identified the products that would fit a best interest standard. You know, they're, they're leaders in their category for, for, within the industry. And, and they kind of, you know, have gone through our rigorous screening process. But further from that, we also make sure that, you know, it's a good fit for the client. It makes sense for the case design. And it ultimately is going to complement what the advisor is doing with their AUM, with their bonds, with their equities. You know, we look at the whole picture, not just, hey, here's this one product. Absolutely. Well, I know I had a call this morning with one of our top advisors who's doing over $25 million a year of annuity business and another 30 easily of asset management. She came to us from one of from the largest IMO in the industry. And Calum, her exact words to me this morning are that you and Eric have been a godsend to her business with the back office, the work, the resources that you've been able to bring to not just drive a product down her throat, but to find the right product for her clients and help with case design from a financial planner's perspective. And so I want to encourage everyone else who's not using this team that Calum has put together. I know they've been fantastic for myself and so many others. And so again, Calum, throw out your email address in case anyone wants to get this white paper or maybe just chat with you about a case that they're working on. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. Uh, so my email again is kmackey, it's K-M-A-C-K-E-Y at c2penterprises.com. Love to, to chat with, with you. Again, uh, I'm an advisor myself. I think uh, we probably didn't throw that out there in the beginning. I think a lot of people know that at this point. So I always take an advisor perspective to things and really more of a client centric. I mean, that is, Dave, I'll tell you, and I've told Jason this, like that conversation I had with Jason before we joined C2P, where he, he told me the client comes first. That, that's what that sold me on joining C2P. Because I, I truly believe if we always together as a as a collaborative effort, as, a, as an IMO, as an advisor, if we focus on what's best for the client, we all win. And that's, you know, that's what I harp on with our team to make sure that we're always focused on let's do what's best for the client. Everything else will take care of itself in the end. Well, that sounds like a good note to conclude this week's episode. If there's anything we can do to help you out, just let us know. And again, phenomenal research, particularly how an annuity can be used as part of the asset allocation and where it fits in our client soon bucket. Calum, appreciate your time. Thanks, Dave. The Bucket Plan On Demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach on advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com.